aqua lads and aqua lasses. Well, we're gonna try and top that. Top that. I don't think you could really top that because it is still Aquatober. Things are still spooky as fuck. And it's time for the latest edition of Top Man, which will be covering Friday the 13th. All of them! That's right, Aqualads and Aqualasses. You know, the feed has been taken over by spooky horror films, the slashers, the bloody show. Yikes. Uh, But even though, even though my A Nightmare on Elm Street episode was so poorly received, my worst downloaded episode of all time... I am persisting with my own unique form of brand synergy and I'm not giving up on the horror movie concept because I prepared all this work to talk about the Friday the 13th series. It's, man, I love this series so goddamn much. It's not as good as the Halloween series, but holy shit, I have so much fun watching it. What I have decided to do is be a little less film nerdy and more of a just the facts. Here you go. So... By my count, there are 12 movies that center around, in some way, shape, or fashion, the terror of Camp Crystal Lake in New Jersey. That is, uh, there's 12 movies, 12 movies about Jason. So, we're going to do a similar format to what we did last time, except this time, everyone gets a dance partner, meaning we'll start with 12 and 11. I'll talk about the movies, and then I will seed them on the top man list. Sound good? Sound easy? Great! So, up first, doing battle for the worst Friday the 13th movie of all time and the next worst Friday the 13th movie of all time, that being 12 and 11, we've got a battle of New Line Cinema. Because the Friday the 13th franchise, created independently, eventually found a home distributed by Paramount Pictures in... The, uh, at, the, at the turn of the decade here in the 90s and then the 2000s, I guess, uh, New Line Cinema is in control of this bad boy. And holy shit, do they shit the bed. We've got Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, battling Jason X, a.k.a. Ernest Goes to Space. So, let's start chronologically. Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, could... Alternate title, Friday the 13th, Part 9. Let's just simplify this fucking thing. And man, oh man, have we gotten off the rails. The Friday the 13th franchise, in its original entries, honestly had a pretty clear-cut, easy-to-follow set of ground rules for what Jason Voorhees was. Now, those get broken in a film we'll talk about much later, Friday the 13th, Part 6, where it is revealed for the first time uh, that Jason Voorhees is a walking zombie. All right? So, at this point in time, Jason Voorhees is a li- the living dead. Living dead guy! Living dead guy! He's also put on a little bit of weight, or uh, I think it's all pus, though, because the dude's fucking dome is huge. Although... My biggest problem with this movie, you wouldn't realize Jason's head has enlarged massively because this movie is basically Friday the 13th without Jason, which is, you could argue, a franchise staple as this is the third time in the series continuity that you get Jason without Jason. But the movie opens with a fantastic setup by a sexy FBI agent who pretends to be a victim, a potential victim for Jason, who decides to walk around the house naked, as you do when you're an FBI agent posing as a sexy co-ed. And then Jason gets led to the woods where he's assaulted by, like, a Task Force X. I think I heard Harley Quinn laughing sadistically and Bloodsport arguing with Captain Boomerang over who was going to get the kill shot. But somebody launches a goddamn missile. Jason Voorhees has exploded. And then the coroner eats his heart. Yep! No, no, no. I'm not breezing past anything. Jason gets exploded. The coroner eats his heart. Possessed by Jason. Jason does some body swapping going from person to person. And uh, he gets killed by a family member at the end. Blah, blah, blah. Now let's talk about Jason X. Jason goes to space. Well, Jason Voorhees... Back to a normal size, I suppose. In the cold open, 
accidentally gets cryologically frozen. Like, in some sort of science experiment that a sexy co-ed has going on. There's lots of sexy co-eds in this series. It's the 80s and it's the slasher genre. I don't know what you want from me. Long story short, Jason and the girl scientist he's fighting get frozen, like Mr. Freeze or whatever. Flash forward to the future, where people don't live on Earth anymore, and they go back to Earth, that being space kids. And, oh my God, do you hear a you're a chainsaw? Is Jason Voorhees here? This is why you don't podcast in or around public spaces. I really hope that chainsaw is coming through. That chainsaw guy is going to get wrecked. Anywho, they find Jason. They put him on their spaceship. They're like, ooh, Jason. He's like a magic dude from the past who killed a lot of people. Let's study his body. And then you get Jason wandering around a cheap sets that are supposed to be spaceships. Terrible. I mean, this is like low budget. This this might as well be a porn parody of Friday the 13th, in my opinion. I fucking hate this one so goddamn much. I, I understand and appreciate trying to go big and trying to do something different. And I also appreciate realizing you're the ninth sequel and you better do something different to shock the system. As my friends in that uh, one group that I can't even remember the name of, the Wrestling Stable, Shock the System. Ah, you're all screaming at your uh, podcast applications, but whatever, I don't care. The, the uh, goddamn Adam Cole Bebe group. Undisputed Era, question mark, who cares? So, it basically boils down to this. I hate both of these movies in terms of Friday the 13th. I... Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday is going to get the 11th spot. Jason X is going to get declared the worst Friday the 13th movie of all time. Because if you put them both in front of me and said you had to watch one, I'm picking Jason Goes to Hell every time and it gets an extra bonus points for trying to do a very ballsy move at the end where Jason is finally pulled to hell. Everybody walks away like, hey, we did it. Everything is happy. The day is saved. And then the spot where Jason was dragged to hell opens up, meaning there's a crack in the earth and Freddy Krueger's gloved hand emerges and grabs Jason hockey, Jason's hockey mask and pulls it to hell. A ballsy sequel setup. I don't mind telling you, a very ballsy sequel setup. Especially when you consider it would take a decade, because I think this was 93 and Freddy vs. Jason is 90 or 03. It'd take a decade for these two titans to finally clash. We talked about it in the Nightmare on Elm Street episode. We'll talk about it again later. But I, I really like that. I appreciate you're trying to do something different. And of course, we talked earlier about the movie rights going to New Line Cinema as opposed to Paramount. That's what allowed this whole thing to happen. A little bit behind the scenes there for you. So as it stands now, the worst Friday the 13th, Jason X. The 11th worst is Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. Up next, a battle of false advertising. Kind of. And a battle of stealing from better movies. Eligible for the 10th and 9th position on the list, Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood, Vince Russo's favorite Friday. Oh, welcome to Vince Russo's video store. Hi, I'd like to rent uh, Forrest Gump. No, no need for Forrest Gump. Come over here. Look at all these videos I got. Uh, I'm sorry, you said your name was... My name's Vince, Vince Russo. Okay, Mr. Russo, I'm here in the comedy section, and all I see is Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. Oh, you're looking in the wrong spot. Forrest Gump's the drama. Go to the dramas. All right, going to the dramas. F, Forrest, uh, sir, Mr. Russo, yeah. All I see in the drama is Friday the 13th, Part 7, the new blood. <laughs> That's right. I tricked you. The only movie we read is Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood. I hope you're excited to watch it. And Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason takes Toronto. So, I actually have a lot of love for these two films for very different reasons. Friday the 13th Part 7 features legendary actor Terry Kaiser, better known as Bernie. Richard, Richard, look, it's Biney. Oh, Biney, Jason Voorhees is right behind you. Bernie, turn around. Uh, Richard, the weekend's ruined. Jason Voorhees killed Biney. Well, uh, Larry, 
perhaps uh, we could fool everyone uh, to thinking that Bernie's still alive and then Jason won't kill us uh, because he wants to kill Bernie. Richard, you're a genius. You're a genius, Richard. You know, and of course, Larry and Richard carry uh, Bernie around Camp Crystal Lake and Jason is constantly thwarted by this cutting ruse and constantly stabs Bernie and leaves them uh, so they can, you know, get laid at this crazy weekend at Camp Crystal Lake. But Bernie's in it. I love that. But Friday the 13th Part 7, again, it's you're the sixth sequel, so you better do something different. Uh, Jason versus Tina. Tina being the, the final girl. Folks, she's got herself some psychic powers. So it does sound like a movie that could have been booked by Vince Russo. Jason is a zombie at this point, so we are understanding that the supernatural exists in this world. So let's ramp it up a notch. Yeah, give that blonde broad some psychic powers. Uh, Mr. Russo, that's that's not a very appropriate way to say that. Oh, okay, give that blonde bitch some psychic powers. Is that better? But it's basically Carrie versus Jason, Dawn of Suckness, okay? Now, Jason gets some really sweet kills, including the sleeping bag kill, and he gets that power saw, which is just absolutely tremendous, and I love it very much. Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Talk about writing a check that your ass can't cash. So this movie, amazing marketing campaign. I will freely admit, and this is sort of t- kind of embarrassing, as a kid, one of my favorite things to do was watch the pay-per-view channel on my local cable system. What I mean by that is back in the day when this came out, like 88, or 80, yeah, I think it was 88, 89, maybe, it doesn't matter, the pay-per-view channel would just run trailers for things you could purchase on pay-per-view. So I remember specifically, like, watching the Dirty Harry and the Deadpool trailer incessantly because it played Welcome to the Jungle, which was a song that I liked. I watched the Friday the 13th Part 8 trailer when it was on the pay-per-view channel incessantly. The trailer of a girl walking around the harbor looking at the Statue of Liberty. She sees a gentleman staring into, you know, uh, New York City, perhaps about to face his dreams and try to make it on Broadway. And he turns around, and holy fuck, wouldn't you know, it's just Jason Voorhees with a massive machete. Tremendous, tremendous hype for this movie. It's Jason on a boat. Is the lonely island in this thing. I'm on a boat, and it's going slow, and I'm going to stab you with a needle from my pibashmina afghan. I'm Jason Voorhees. Give me more, please. You kids better not fuck, because it's boring. I don't know, like... It's just so boring. It's Jason on a boat, but it's not cool. He just, he does so many kills on this boat uh, that travels from, like, I don't, I'm not a geography major, but travels from, like, Camp Crystal Lake, and it enters New York Harbor. Like, I don't know what the path taken here is, but I, I don't even care about that. I'm willing to let all that go if you just go to New York. And then when you go to New York, you're on, it's filmed in Toronto. They shot one scene in New York City, the Times Square scene. Although you do get to see the sweet Batman Times Square board. Uh, so that's kind of cool. But I just, I don't know. It's just, it's it's like we did Jason Goes to Space eventually. Friday 7's Jason versus Carrie, a girl with psychic powers. It's like uh, now, now we're in the era where we really have to ramp it up and do something outside the norm. Jason Goes to New York just sounds amazing. Like, let's do it. Let's just have Jason walking around. Nobody gives a shit because it's New York. Hey, Jason, welcome to New York, bitch. David, go take him out. That's Vince Russo telling his son, David Flair, to go fight Jason. But it's not Jason Takes Manhattan. Like I said, it's Jason Takes a Boat, and then Jason Takes Toronto, and then Jason's in Times Square for just a moment. Add to the fact that he gets killed in a stupid way where he gets like melted by toxic nuclear waste that happens to be in the sewer of New York City and turns into like eight-year-old Jason that's not even bald or deformed. Just fuck this movie. Although, I have reached a verdict. The 10th worst Friday the 13th of all time. Friday the 13th Part 8. Jason takes Manhattan. And Bernie, boy, you made it to number 9. Friday the 13th Part 7. The New Blood. Vince Russo rejoices. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm coming right out of the gate on these things. Fists of Fire and Fury. With the exception of Jason X. Like, 
I love all these things. Like, I gladly watch them. I will gladly watch any of them and have a roaring good time. But in the context of the series, these ones that I've talked about so far aren't doing a lot for me. So they kind of get the more comedy-esque routine. But they're worth watching. Get together with some friends. Have yourself a good time. All right, so up now we've got two films battling for 7th and 8th place. We've got Friday the 13th taking on Friday the 13th. Oh my god, is he talking about the original and the remake? How can he even compare the two? I hate the remake. The original's so good, it's a classic. It is classic. To me, though, it's so classic that it's very slow moving. And I appreciate the ability to build suspense, but I don't find... The original Friday the 13th film, very interesting to look at. And I'm not trying to throw shade at like their budget or anything like that. It has nothing to do with it. I just, I don't know. I I like Mrs. Voorhees at the end. I like when Mrs. Voorhees and Alice play cat and mouse. I appreciate a fucking random, you found Kevin Bacon in the wild before he was famous. I appreciate all of that. It's just every time I go to rewatch it, I find myself thinking, maybe I should watch a different one. And it's a personal list, so that's sort of where I'm coming from. Now, of course, I realize that there's no possible way to put the ones that we've mentioned ahead of this above Friday the 13th. And I enjoy the synergy of putting it up against the remake. Now, the remake is not truly a remake per se. Not in the way that, like... uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it keeps the... Well, I was going to say it keeps the general skeleton frame, but it really doesn't. The thing I like about the Friday the 13th remake from 2009 is that you essentially get a hodgepodge of the first three Friday the 13th movies. You know, it opens... The cold open, uh, you know, it contains elements of the first one as sort of a recap previously on Friday the 13th, even though this is the first one because it's the remake. And then you get the first couple of kills where Jason's wearing the bag on his head from Friday 2. And, of course, he finds the hockey mask, and then it continues. You know, some people take umbrage with, like, Jason having, like, a lair and, like, setting traps and stuff like that. But I I appreciate the sort of wild man version of Jason from Friday the 13th Part 2, which obviously we'll talk about later. And so I'm kind of into this. Jason Voorhees is sort of a wild man survivor, like a, like, I imagine this is how Ronda Rousey and her husband live, you know, the way Jason Voorhees lives in the remake. I enjoy the lovable cast of CW rejects that inhabit the Friday the 13th uh, remake. You've got the uh, cocky blonde guy who also played the cocky blonde guy in Michael Bay's Transformers. Fitting, as uh, this is a Michael Bay production, we'll try not to hold that against it. Um... You've got Killer Frost from The Flash here as the final girl that, whoops, accidentally gets killed. You've got the dude from Supernatural who I'm like, eh, whatever, I don't really care about you, dude from Supernatural. But he's certainly a decent enough lead. He's a handsome devil uh, going one-on-one with Jason Voorhees, and that's cool. I don't know. I sort of enjoy the idea that, you know, modern films aren't really that great at holding things back. I feel like when you have Jason, don't hold him back. That's what I paid a ticket for. Of course, the remake has all the benefits of knowing that this is what the audience has come for, so let's embrace it. And so I try not to hold that against the original. The original was just what it was. But uh, when it comes to these two films in particular, like I said, I was going to let the film geek inside of me sort of go by the wayside. And if you're putting them one-on-one in a confrontation it's pretty cut and dry number 8 on the list the original Mrs. Voorhees herself Friday the 13th and at number 7 Blasphemy the remake Friday the 13th 2009 up next it's the battles between number 6 and number 5 who will take which position and who will even battle it out well We've got Friday the 13th, Part 3D, taking on Freddy versus Jason, which, of course, we discussed in our Nightmare on Elm Street conversation. 
Now, Freddy versus Jason, uh, the narrative, the plot, very much belongs to Freddy Krueger. The action very much begins to Jason, or excuse me, belongs to Jason Voorhees. There are not, there are very few elements from the actual Friday the 13th films that are pulled into Freddy vs. Jason. You get Freddy invading Jason's dreams to be his mom. Uh, you get a fear of water, which comes out of nowhere, uh, because Jason is more than happy to go into water in some of these other films, but that's fine, whatever, I, I, I get it, you're just trying to paint broad strokes. So, the narrative belongs to Freddy, but like I said, the action belongs to Jason, and there is some really fun set pieces in this movie. We talked in the Nightmare on Elm Street episode about the final confrontation that takes place on the grounds of Camp Crystal Lake. You've got Jason dodging the propane missiles from Freddy, and of course, uh, you know, the, the fight where they're surrounded by fire, and Jason's sort of a lumbering heavyweight, great Khali-style fighter, and uh, Freddy Krueger is, I guess, playing AJ Styles here, like, moving around pretty quickly. But I also appreciate... Uh, something I didn't purposefully talk about in the Nightmare episode, which is the assault at the rave in the cornfield with Jason Voorhees on fire, cutting a path through the corn of flames and just butchering the shit out of these drunk teenagers, including this guy who's randomly trying to, like, rape the main character. Good lord, just casual rape in a movie. No, but I guess that's why the guy gets killed by Jason. And that's an audience stand-up-and-cheer moment as well. Jason's kind of the good guy in this whole thing. He's being manipulated against his will, forced to kill these Elm Street kids, when all he wants to do is have himself a nice little dirt nap. So I, being a Friday the 13th fan over on Nightmare on Elm Street, really wholeheartedly embrace Freddy vs. Jason for its Jason perspective. And that's why you see it so high up on this list. It's sort of the music video. Like, we talked in the Nightmare on Elm Street episode about how Fri uh, Nightmare 4 is like this beautiful, slick, expensive music video that, regardless of if it's better than the other ones, you just can't help but look away from. This is that for the uh, Friday the 13th series. You know, the original films are always kind of small. This bad boy puts Jason on a whole other pedestal. It's sleek. I don't like Jason's random strand of long hair that hangs from him the entire uh, movie. It's one of my least favorite Jason designs, ironically enough. But the Jason components are very strong. He gets all the good kills. And at the end of the day, he wins the bad boy, after all, by decapitating Freddy Krueger. Of course, Freddy winks at us. But Jason at least walks away with the belt. He may lose it in the rematch. I don't really know. Or uh, President Gorilla Monsoon may have to make an announcement. Or, or You know what? Fuck that. President Jack Tunney will have to make an announcement. I have carefully reviewed video footage indicating that the referee's decision is invalid. As Freddy Krueger was able to answer the 10 count with a visible wink... Uh, the ultimate challenge between Freddy and Jason uh, will be contractually obligated to be uh, reinstated at another date. Friday the 13th Part 3D is what this bad boy is going up against. Now, it's probably the best time to, to talk about it because it's the first time it's shown up on the list. Friday the 13th, which we talked about earlier, is obviously the first film in the series. 2, 3, and 4, much like A Nightmare on Elm Street do, form an internal trilogy within the series. Of course, over on A Nightmare on Elm Street, it was 3, 4, and 5 that tell the Dream Trilogy. You got the Dream Warriors, the Dream Master, and the Dream Child. Friday 2, 3, and 4 actually take place in the exact same fucking weekend. So Friday the 13th Part 2 takes place on Friday the 13th. Part 3 takes place on Saturday the 14th, and Part 4 takes place on Sunday the 15th, give or take. Uh, because some of the events, obviously, you see in 4 take place on Saturday, and then it's the next day, and you know, etc., etc. There's overlap there, but the climactic finale takes place on those particular dates. So Friday the 13th Part 3 finds itself in the middle of this trilogy. Hilarious, because usually the middle chapter is the strongest. 
Empire Strikes Back. Attack of the Clones. Okay, maybe not Attack of the Clones. The Last Jedi. That's the most powerful. It's the, the Last Jedi is the strongest narrative of the new Star Wars trilogy. I'd rather watch seven, I think. But eh, regardless, um, so it's interesting that it's the middle chapter, and obviously we haven't not talked about two or four yet. So it's the weakest entry in the Friday trilogy. Also ironic because Saturday is a pretty fun day. You do have a, a decent enough cast of characters. I think everyone probably points to Shelley as being the most memorable of the victims. Uh, he's the fat, nerdy guy who doesn't have a lady friend who's pretty desperate to get laid. Also, I, I would put this above Shelly, but how about the girl that's fucking pregnant? She's not showing. She's very early along. And Jason murders this girl. She's the girl that has sex in the hammock. She takes the shower. Uh, oh, no, I, I haven't seen this movie a few times. I, don't want, I skip all the shower scenes. I do not watch them. That's not what this is about. But a, a decent enough final girl as well. Uh, we learned that in the past she was victimized by Jason when he was still in his bag on the head stage, uh, which we'll talk about when we talk about Friday the 13th Part 2. But... Speaking of bag on the head, Friday the 13th Part 3, iconic, because it is when Jason finally gets his final getup. This is where he finds the hockey mask in the barn and becomes the Jason Voorhees we know and love. Now, I mentioned the barn sequence. Yes, he finds the hockey Yes, he finds the hockey mask, as Vince would say, but... Holy shit, that sequence in the barn is a little slow and takes way too long when Jason takes out the gang members. I do love how this movie was initially filmed in 3D, and the 3D stands out like a sore thumb watching it through a modern lens because it's like, why is the yo-yo coming to the screen? Oh, it's 3D. You do get the tremendous shot of Jason uh, killing the gal with the harpoon gun. Harpoon goes right into her eye. Uh, I do enjoy that quite a bit. I believe this is also the first Friday the 13th I ever saw when I was a youth. It was on, like, broadcast TV or something like that. Irrelevant. That doesn't earn it a higher spot or anything like that, but I just thought it might be worth mentioning. So I do enjoy Friday the 13th Part 3. I was super excited to pick it up on DVD back in, like, 06 or 07, maybe even 08, and it came with the 3D glasses, and I tried desperately to watch it, and it just fucking didn't work. But I would absolutely drop what I'm doing and start to ruin... Uh, no, I would drop what I'm doing and buy a ticket to see this movie in 3D if it ever came to my local area because it's something I definitely want to do. You know, we're, we're towards the middle of the list, so I have a hell of a lot more love for these movies. I think that's probably evident because I'm doing less jokes. But I do think, at the end of the day, it's fair to put at number six... Freddy versus Jason. It's the pivot man. It's the worst of the best. It's the one out of all the series that is least like the rest. Well, maybe Jason X, but it, you know, in terms of the good ones, I suppose. That means that number five is going to be Friday the 13th, part 3D. Jason gets the hockey mask. He gets some good kills. Risks are taken. Like I said, we're killing a pregnant lady, which, I mean, it's horrifying. I'm, I'm not trying to glamorize that. Please understand. It's just that within the context of what we're talking about, it's sort of a, wow, they're really going for it. Okay, I, uh, I will give them credit for not holding anything back and telling the story they want to tell. And, gosh, we only have four left to go. And the episode is already so much quicker than The Nightmare on Elm Street. Maybe I should slow it down a little bit. No, I couldn't possibly do that. Also, considering we only have four left, if there are any huge Friday the 13th fans out there, I'm sure you're not surprised by three of the four. But holy shit, one of these bad boys is absolutely standing out like a sore thumb. I admit it, and I fucking love it. Now we have come to the top four, and it's time to switch things up a little bit. I mean, this is a top 25% of all Friday the 13th films. There's only four left. And yes, I'd mentioned I've got an outlier, and I will freely admit it. So, I'm going to cop to the fact that this movie, I know, is not as good as some of the ones that have been on this list before it. 
But Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning, just holds a very special place in my heart. I had actually gotten into Friday the 13th very late in life, meaning like it wasn't until even my 30s that I sat down and said, not only am I going to watch all these bad boys consistently, like I had seen bits and pieces of all of them, I'm going to watch all of them consistently, and I'm going to try to determine if there is a series-long narrative. There is, to a certain extent. Um... However, Friday the 13th Part 5 is the item that set me on this journey because years ago, years ago, God, it's like maybe 10 years at this point, I listened to a podcast. Uh, it was the We Hate Movies podcast episode on Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. And the jokes just really hit me in the right spot. And it put into my mind hilarious scenarios that are forever etched into my brain as I watch Friday the 13th Part 5. So, please use that as a preface. It's like, I came to this movie looking for schlock. I got it. But I have such good feels every time I watch it. It gets this high on the list because of it. Now, like I said, there is a narrative throughout all these films. We talked about the trilogy of 2, 3, and 4, which we'll talk about. But... To simplify things, Jason dies in part four. Like, he's dead. He's fucking dead. Friday the 13th part five takes place five years later, which means it's like the year 1990-something, which is hilarious because this is made in like 85, and it's clearly not 1990-something. And it's about a bunch of kids at a halfway house who run afoul of Jason Voorhees. But Jason Voorhees is dead, right? This is our second instance of um, Friday the 13th without Jason. Obviously, we talked about Jason Goes to Hell, where the Jason character swaps bodies until he becomes masked Jason at the end. We talked about Friday the 13th Part 1, where Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you horror legend Roy, the ambulance driver whose son is butchered by a crazy guy at this halfway house. And Roy is the ambulance driver on duty who picks up the body. Distraught by the death of his chocolate-loving son, Roy dons a bald mask and becomes, well, Jason Voorhees. He uses the myth of Jason Voorhees to stalk these innocent teenagers. One of the kids from Different Strokes is in this movie as a youth who's in peril. You've got crazy townies from Crystal Lake dressing up like they're in the 50s. Rat tat tat tatatooey singing about their broken car. You've got other, the other ambulance driver who hangs out with Roy doing coke in the parking lot of a diner waiting for his lady friend to finish up and come to a coke party with him who has to flash herself into in the mirror to remind herself that she's ready to party. She's like, let's party! And rips open her shirt like, like hey, you do you. I'm just saying, it's just so ridiculously cheesy. I'm here for the TNA. I'm here for the murder. I'm here for the ridiculousness. It's just absolutely a film that I cannot hate. I know it's it's like kind of like it's like if you're watching all the Friday the 13th. You, you if you're watching WrestleMania and you're like, I'm gonna watch all the WrestleManias. You don't skip two and eleven. And you might even find something within 2 and 11 that you like. For example, I always thought WrestleMania 11 was so cool because it had all the celebrities and all that stuff. And yeah, it's not. But it always has a warm place in my heart. Like if somebody was like, do you want to watch WrestleMania 20-whatever that's four hours long? And you want to watch 11? I'd be like, yeah, let's watch 11. I'll get the feels from it. That's how I feel about Friday 5. Not to mention... Joanna Mann himself, the dude who plays Joanna Mann, Miguel A. Nunez Jr., also famously DJ in Street Fighter. What? DJ, if you know Bison is bad, why do you work for him? Because he paid me a freaking fortune, man. DJ, maximum. Anywho, this dude plays Demon, who runs afoul of some enchiladas. And his girlfriend sings to him as he's shitting himself. Uh, while he's in the bathroom in an outhouse to make him feel better. And, of course, they're both murdered by Jason. But their sing-song, Ooh, baby, ooh, baby, hey, baby, ooh, baby. I mean, it just lives forever. 
and, and it's just a part of me, and I can't explain it, and, I, and I'm not going to try to explain it or justify it. I just want to make it clear that you should be aware at your own risk, if you're following my list, Friday the 13th Part 5 is the outlier, but I love it as if it were my own. Number three, Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Whoa, shocker. Friday the 13th experts would usually put this around number one, and I agree with you, it's a fucking great film. It's sort of like the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 compared to the Friday series. Friday the 13th Part 6 is the one where they're like, you know what, I think I know what everybody's here for. The Roy experiment, Friday 5, failed miserably. So Friday 6 ignores 5, acts like it didn't happen, and starts with our main characters from 4, accidentally resurrecting Jason Voorhees via some lightning bolts. So this is where it happens. We talked about 7, 8, 9, and Space. In 7, Jason fights Carrie. In 8, he goes to Manhattan. In 9, he's body swapping. In 10, he's in space. 6 is where the, alright, let's just do it. That's where it starts. But the tone of the film, while also being a really good slasher, leans into the fact that, number 1, we know you're here for Jason. And number 2, we're not going to take ourselves so seriously that we can't have a little bit of fun. You know, there are uh, some good cast members, too. I like the guy that plays Tommy. I love the final girl. I think she's great, Megan. Uh, and I love Megan's dad, too, the sheriff. A rare adult that I'm rooting for in a slasher flick. Probably the most honorable adult you're going to encounter this side of, uh, I don't know, Maureen Prescott. That's a bad joke. But seriously, I like him quite a bit. I also like the random girl, Nikki who has the RV because she's in the movie Can't Buy Me Love, which is an all-time favorite of mine. You get the Alice Cooper, Oh, buddy's back. The man behind the mask. You get the great scene at the end where Tommy confronts Jason on Crystal Lake, and he's like, Come on, Jason, you pussy! It is a great line. I, I can't, I can't, I can't fake it, all right? But... You know, there's all sorts of little Easter eggs around here letting the audience know, hey, we're in on the joke. Uh, Jason kills a couple and the uh, Discover card falls out of their uh, wallet. Or it's the American Express card or whichever ones don't leave home without it. You know, it's just like, I, I don't know. Jason runs afoul of a, of a company retreat that's doing a paintball uh, session and he kills them. And I don't know. It's just, plus... This is the only movie that I can think of where kids at Camp Crystal Lake are actually in peril because the main cast of characters gets Crystal Lake Camp Camp Crystal Lake up and running, and they're actually counselors with full-time kids there. One of the girls who can't sleep's name is Nancy, which is, of course, a rib on A Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's just, you know, Jason's finally an undead zombie. In Fridays 2, 3, and 4, that trilogy that we will get more into, obviously, do the math, he's alive. He's a, he's a, he's a person. He's a man. In 6 onward, he's a fucking zombie. And this is where you start to get the zombie powers as well. Not to mention, this may be my favorite build of Jason. He's kind of skinny. He's not a muscly brute. He's got the, like, mili- he's not got, he doesn't have a military uniform on, but he has the, I don't know, he's got a sick getup. He's got gloves. He's got, like, a fucking belt full of knives and machetes. Like, this is classic Jason. When I say classic Jason, and whatever pops into your head, number six is the template for classic Jason. Uh, all, you know, number four, of course, also might be there as well. Final fun piece of information here. When the cold open of the movie is done and Jason is actually resurrected, the opening credits start, and during the opening credits, Jason Voorhees walks across the screen, spikes the camera, and slashes it with a machete, like he's James Bond shooting the dude with the scope. Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, is aware that it's about to reintroduce Jason as a zombie, or introduce him as a zombie. It's aware that it's schlock, but it's the exact opposite of schlock. It's in the genre of schlock, but it takes so much pride in what it truly is it wears it on it wears it on its sleeve and it is a fantastic way to kill an hour and a half it may be it's not number 1 on the list but let me put it this way if you 
have never seen a Friday the 13th movie, or if you've seen them all, but you don't really care, and it's just like, okay, I have to watch one. What do I watch? I'm probably handing you six. It's very accessible. It's likable. It's got a good soundtrack. There's kids. Like I said, it's sort of your perfect vision of Friday the 13th. And I think that is where I'm going to leave the discussion on that. There are only two films left. And number two is going to take us to Sunday the 15th. It's the last part of the trilogy. And up until I really sat down to do this list and present this show for you, this I've always held at number one. But a quick rewatch of my number one and number two made me make a change. But I think your fucking day will be great if you watch this one regardless. Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. Market it as the one that will end them all. This is the one that stars Corey Feldman. This is the one that has uh, the twins. This is the one that has Crispin fucking Glover, Marty McFly's dad, as Jimmy and his buddy Ted from The Last American Virgin, who has his computer that lets Crispin Glover's character know he's a dead fuck. Now, if you've seen the movie, I'm hoping you're smiling. If you haven't, this is a rare situation where the group of kids is very interesting. All of them. I find all of them, uh, when they're on my screen, fun to watch. You've got a jock guy. You've got a slick like surfer skater guy who's not actually a surfer skater, but he's laid back. And, you know, you've got uh, uh, Jimmy and Ted, who are Crispin Glover in The Last American Virgin. They're sex-obsessed. And then you've got the girlfriend of the varsity jock guy. You've got an innocent virgin girl who's in love with the dude who's laid back. You've got the random twins at Crystal Lake who are fucking either up there filming a double mint commercial or trying to have some sort of crazy incestuous threesome. Hey, guys, you do you. I'm not judging. I'm just saying it stands out. And then the innocent family, the Jarvises, Corey Feldman, who will age up and become the main character of 5 and 6. Corey Feldman's character is the guy who yells at Jason in Part 6, you pussy! So, there's a lot of important characters to the mythology here. Some great kills, and of course, some awesome makeup special effects as well. Tommy Jarvis, or Corey Feldman's main character, is a special effects nerd, and he makes a bunch of masks and things like that. And it really is a complete film. Uh, You even have a character who shows up as the older brother of one of the characters from another film uh, we'll talk about. And uh, it's just, it plays with things. This guy's like a big burly dude. He's like a hunter. He's here to kill Jason. And then he gets taken out like a bitch in like three seconds. It, It messes with the formula. But I think that what it does is it produces a great set of victims. Crispin Glover and his dance is just absolutely amazing. And his death, Tad, Tad wears the corkscrew. I say Ted wears the corkscrew to people in my everyday life that have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. They still don't, but I still refuse to stop saying it because it's such an iconic line. You've got Teddy getting really high watching the vintage porno. And this dude is so obsessed with this porno, Jason just gets the drop on him. Um, yeah, it's just a great fucking time. It's probably the... Oh, God. This list is so fucking hard. Uh, I don't know. Six, four... The top four, in my opinion. I know five I said is schlock, but you're all they're all winners here. It's so hard to pick one. Um, I, I do go with four here. Like I said... No, my part four and my number one are interchangeable, but upon the rewatch, I gave it to what I gave to number one. So maybe we should talk about that so we can talk about them both. So part four is the last part of the trilogy. The first part of the trilogy, my number one, Friday the 13th, part two. The only bad thing I have to say about part two, I'm going to get it out right now. The opening 15 minutes, the cold open, is a decent chunk of the movie, and it's basically previously on Friday the 13th. 
because the final girl from the first film is dispatched by Jason, who is making his first appearance as the killer in the series. Uh, and we also have her like having dreams and flashbacks of the closing of Friday 1. But once you get past the beginning, not only are you back at Camp Crystal Lake, basically as it appears or you're in Crystal Lake, New Jersey, as it appears in the first one. You're at a different camp, but like five miles away. It has all the dread and all the eerie feelings of part one, but it has a much more interesting cast of counselors. Because what we have here, no kids in this one, but all the, all the victims are counselors who are at a counselor training center so they can be camp counselors. Our final girl, Ginny, is a psych major who uses that ability against Jason in the film's conclusion. The guy in charge, Paul, her boyfriend, is pretty likable. The nerdy guy who plays the electronic football game, likable. Uh, and then you've got Jeff and his girlfriend, Sandra, I believe. Sandra and Jeff are killed together, impaled while they're having sex. Sandra's brother is the guy that shows up in the fourth one hunting Jason. So there's synergy there. Uh, you've got the horny girl uh, who falls in love with the guy in the wheelchair, Mark. Mark's super interesting. They don't hold back. He takes a machete to the face, and his, the, the scene of his wheelchair getting thrown down all the steps at the camp is horrifying. It's just, and it's so early 80s, too. I mean, it's 1981, if I'm not mistaken, so you really get that, oh, my God, this is the early 80s feel. No ripped jeans and Alice Cooper here like in Part 6, which I also love. This is so 80s, it's 70s, okay? But the Jason character, as I said, makes his appearance here and to me this is the only time he's horrifying this is the talented dreaded sundown look of jason Voorhees, the blue checkered flannel with the black over uh, overalls and the fucking sack on the head no hockey masks here jason with the sack on his head is terrified I don't, I don't even know. Like, I'm, ha- I'm freaking out just thinking of it. Town to Dreaded Sundown is also terrifying. That's sort of where the, the a film that the mask or bag over the head look is lifted from or borrowed from. And this Jason is uh, definitely a mountain man creature. He's got long fingernails. He's got like long, untamed Matt Riddle style hair. He does have the facial deformities. He's terrifying. And he fucking butchers these kids like it's nobody's business. There's a great scene that takes place in the daylight where a police officer is back around the camp and Jason happens to run across the frame left to right and you barely see it, but it's it's horrifying because it, it doesn't fuck around and be like, yeah, well, it's at nighttime, so whatever. You just see this crazy scurry man scurry across the frame. He's got the bag on his head. It's just, it's truly terrifying because it feels like it could be in fucking any woods, woodsy town, USA. Um, I know I said four has the best cast of victims. Number two has the best Jason. They have maybe the second best victims. All these counselors are kind of likable. Aside from the dude with the popped collar who tries to uh, steal the like uh, underwear or the shirt of the girl who goes skinny dipping. Because that's kind of skeezy. Just maybe be like, hey, can I join you? And if she says no, leave. You don't have to fucking stay and get a show. You know, it is what it is. And, of course, the dog survives at the end because the girl that goes skinny up and has a little dog muffin, so it made me think of that, so I figured I'd throw it in. Crazy Ralph, who we didn't even talk about in Part 1, returns in this and unfortunately meets his grisly end. But it's just a very complete Friday experience because you get Jason. The way that some people feel about the first one is most likely probably the way that I feel about the second one. I feel the second one is probably... The, I don't know if it's the best. Six is probably the best made because it leans into it. But if you're really talking about these early ones, these ones that are so 80s, they're 70s, two is just sort of the best of all the worlds. Um, you know, aside from that little intro that I talked about, this is also the one where you get to see Mrs. Voorhees' head on the uh, pedestal. <laughs> you're putting the head on a pedestal, man. But it's on like a little fucking monument that Jason has for her in his shack with her sweater as well. And like I said, Ginny, the child psychology major, uses Jason's obsession with his mother against him. And it's very clever. Uh, Some good scares. 
because again it maintains that woodsy camp crystal lake isolation feel not to mention a great twist where half the counselors disappear at the end or like 75 percent of the movie and go to town and get hammered we get a little subplot there of which counselors are going to come back to camp and eat it which ones are going to survive which ones are spared even though they're out getting wasted and fucking it's just it's a good experience it's a quick watch and you know like i said it's got that beginning that feels a little eh, okay let's get down to business but i also think that the final girl from the first film alice is very likable so we need to see how her story ends as well but man oh man i just like i said with the top three especially let's eliminate part five from the conversation the the final three two four and six much like star trek the even numbers man you are good to go um it just depends what kind of mood you're in you know it really really does but i think hopefully if nothing else with here at the top of the list i've given you a little bit of a reason to check out any of these films you know i really think that in their own way all of them are a good time so i feel the nighttime creeping in i hear the kids that i'm supposed to be watching here at camp johnny c out in the water splashing one another threatening one another to, to drown the other so i better recap the list so i can get the fuck out of here and uh see what sort of shenanigans and tricks i can pull on my fellow counselors number 12 the worst of the worst jason x jason goes to space number 11 huh jason goes to hell the final Friday, and I didn't even talk about how Jason's soul is a little fucking worm. So, make sure you check that one out as well. Uh, number 10, uh, Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Number 9, hey, it's Friday the 13th, Part 7, The New Blood. Bernie, did you hear that? What number 9? Uh, Lair, number 9's not very good. Richard! Richard, I've got an idea. Next time will be number one. Number eight, Friday the 13th. The first one. Insult? Fuck it, I don't care. Number seven, the remake from 2009. Number six, Freddy versus Jason, Dawn of Justice. Number five, Friday the 13th, 3D. Jason gets the hockey mask. Number four, Friday the 13th, part five, AKA Roy the movie. Number three, Jason Lives, part six. Number two, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, a.k.a. part four. And number one, as of this go-around, Friday the 13th, part two, with the sack-based killer, Jason Voorhees, running around like a goddamn sack of potatoes. And folks, I hope this one has been a fun listen. Like I said, I was going to try to stay away from the film geek and just have a little bit of fun and if you want to continue to have fun like this make sure you subscribe to the aqua cave whenever new content drops make sure you look under your bed tonight because there might be a freddy and check the closet because there might be a jason and get your pumpkins carved because the next time on top man in aquatober there's gonna be evil god damn you michael I'm Johnny C, and a winner is you.